Hi, I'm Keith, and this is my dad, Kerwin. This is Father's of Galaxy. Today, we're speaking with Emmy Award-winning broadcast journalist, producer, and author Clayton Sandell. Mr. Sandell worked as a correspondent for ABC News, appearing on Good Morning America, World News Tonight, and Nightline. In 2021, he joined the EW Scripps Company as a national correspondent for Newsy. He's also a huge Star Wars fan. We'll talk about his career, when his love for Star Wars began, and his huge new book, huge new book, Star Wars Timelines, from the time before the High Republic to the fall of the First Order. Mr. Sandow, welcome to Father Sun Galaxy. My friends, hello. Hmm. Uh, Thank you. Please stop calling me Mr. Sandell. <laughs> I just had a birthday, and I'm feeling very old, and that, uh-huh. that is uncalled for. Uncalled for. How are you? Oh, we're great, great. I know the feeling. I just had a birthday a month ago, as you know. Thank you so much. But I get it. But, you know, that's out of respect. You know, we, we, we do that to, to everyone, you know, for, for Keith, at least, you know, Mr. Sandell. So, um, but thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. This is a pleasure. I appreciate it, I appreciate it so much. And uh, it's so much fun to be here. I hope you guys are well. Yes, we are. Thank you. All right. Very well. All right. So first question, let's start with talking about your career. Why did you decide to become a journalist? Wow. You know, I was always uh, one of those kids that that always kind of knew what they wanted to do, sort of. Like, I always knew that I wanted to uh, work in, in broadcasting or, or television or, or movies or something like that. And uh, so I was kind of a kind of a theater geek in high school. I, I did all the plays. Um, I, a friend of mine and I had a, a cable TV show that we ran around and produced uh, back in the day. And uh, I actually thought for a while that I wanted to be a helicopter pilot. And uh, then I, I sort of took a, a sharp left turn and discovered broadcasting and started working for some radio stations. Um, and then that just sort of over the years, just kind of combined my love of, of writing and broadcasting. And I went into video production and then I went into television news. Um, so it was really just sort of this, this, I, I look back on it now and it was like this very zigzaggy kind of path, but it was um, I think ultimately kind of leading the, the same place, which was, which was storytelling. I, I love to, to tell stories. And, uh, and, and I think that's, that's sort of what, kind of drove me to, to, to where I am today. So, but yeah, it's been a long, weird path. <laughs> so what are some of the most challenging aspects of being a news correspondent? Uh, deadlines, I think. Um, nothing, you know, the clock does not stop. There is a, there is a broadcast uh, that has to hit at a certain time and uh, you, you have to, have something ready in that amount of time. So I think that's 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 the biggest challenge. And it's you know putting a show, putting a broadcast together. As you guys know, it's it's technically challenging. You got to gather all the elements. You got to get people uh, you know to sit down for interviews and and get all of that done and, and edit it together. Um, so I think that uh, I think hands down, it it is the deadlines that we that we struggle with the most. They never go away. You covered big stories from around the globe. What's one of the more memorable events you've reported? <laughs> wow. 
You know, that's a really good question. I think, uh, I think I, I'll, I'll talk about the, the extremes of, of what I've done. Um, you know, I've, I've, natural disasters, climate stories always take you, it seems, to some of the most interesting places around the world. And uh, two of them stand out to me. One of them is Greenland. Um, I went there uh, in 2006, I think, um, and we were there reporting on uh, the, the climates, the warming climates effect on what was happening in Greenland. So to stand uh, on basically two miles worth of ice uh, from ground to the summit uh, was sort of a bizarre feeling. And to just sort of see this, this really alien kind of landscape uh, was one thing. And then on the other extreme was going to Hawaii a few years ago when uh, one of the, the volcanoes on the Big Island was erupting and basically these giant lava flows were moving through and destroying everything in their in their path. And it was kind of a, uh, it was almost like being in a, in a Lord of the Rings movie. Uh, it looked like Mordor out there. So it was like two extremes, fire, fire and ice. Mm -hmm. favorites. Mm -hmm. And when you're covering uh, uh, natural disasters, uh, as far as safety measures, what safety measures do you have to put in play? Because, you know, when we're looking at, at you or looking at other journalists on the screen, they look like they're in the thick of that disaster. So exactly, you know, what safety measures are going on behind the scenes that we don't know about? Yeah, kind of de kind of depends on what, what it is. But, uh, you know, say a wildfire, we have a lot of uh, safety gear that we that we keep with us. Um, we've got all of the same stuff that a, a typical firefighter would have, you know, the the fire resistant uh, clothing, the helmets, the goggles. Uh, we even have we even carry a portable fire shelter uh, if uh, worst comes to worst. So we we carry safety gear, um, you know, like something like a hurricane. Uh, a lot of times when you see uh, re reporters standing out there uh, in the in the wind and the rain telling you not to go out in the wind and the rain. Right. Uh, a lot of times we, we've taken great care in determining what that location is going to be and what you see on camera. What you probably don't see behind the camera is, you know, they've maybe just stepped a few feet out of a hotel lobby, for example. So they're relatively we, we try to make sure that we're relatively protected in, in all of those kind of situations. So it just kind of depends on what we're doing. But uh, but I will tell you that, that safety does come first. And that is the first conversation we always have. Uh, and and we try to make sure that we're never out there doing anything that, that is going to get anybody uh, in trouble. Yeah. So not only are you this world renowned journalist, you, <laughs> as we said earlier, you're a huge Star Wars fan. So That's how right. did you get? How did yes. you guess? How did you get? <laughs> I don't know. Just uh, you know, these we have a connection. Maybe it's the force, you know. Because <laughs> it's one of those things. We yeah. we just know. Yes, we just know. We we could just tell. So how were you introduced to Star Wars? Uh, by my aunt and uncle when I was four years old. Uh, they took me to see Star Wars in the theater. I actually remember sitting there uh, before the movie started. And I remember them sort of explaining uh, what I was about to see. It's like, you, you're going to see Darth Vader walk in. He's the guy dressed in all black. He's the bad guy. But then you're going to see the stormtroopers and they're in all white. And so they were sort of like trying to sort of prep me for what I was about to see because uh, at four, I mean, there are some, there's some intense scenes to that movie. And I think they were kind of getting me ready and making sure that I was going to be able to, to handle it. And, 
so yeah, I saw it in the theaters when it first came out and it just instantly uh, imprinted itself onto my DNA. And then I remember going a few years later with my aunt Dana and standing in line for probably four hours or so at the one theater in my my hometown of Riverside, California, <laughs> waiting, waiting with all the other fans to uh, to get a seat uh, for the showing. And uh, yeah, so so early on, family members uh, got got me into it, and then it was just kind of off to the races. Yeah. So it sounded like your aunt and uncle saw the movie first, and yeah. then they took you to see it just so that you would be prepared. And I think that was a smart idea. You know, they know that you're such a, a very young age that they had to make sure you understood what was going on. And you know, if some things, like you say, may feel intense, uh, especially seeing Darth Vader for the first time. But it's yeah. good to have that. Uh, support there to explain to you who he is, what he does, and it makes you it makes it feel a little better. It makes you feel at ease watching that movie. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And was it a New Hope, the first Star Wars that you saw? It was. Yep, yeah. a New Hope. And then uh, I think I was in third grade when uh, Return of the Jedi came out, uh, and that was uh, you know we we all kind of thought that that was it as far as Star Wars. So. What I kind of did is I, I turned toward I, I was always just fascinated with the the behind the scenes, uh, the aspects of everything about how 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 everything was done, how the models were made, uh, you know, how the effects were created, all that fun stuff. And so uh, without the without the new movies, without any more movies, that's kind of where my my interest went. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> when you are used to covering these big events, these headline news, um, how were you able to transition from covering those events to covering Star Wars? You know, it's really funny. I was uh, in 20, in 2015, when Star, well, the, you know, the announcement had been made that, that Disney had bought Lucasfilm. We were getting the force awakens. Um, and the first celebration rolled around after that. 2015 and i basically for christmas told my wife the only thing i want for christmas is i'm going to get a four-day pass to celebration and go to celebration that's it and uh about a week before i, I had taken a couple days off vacation uh from work uh and i called and i, I reminded my boss that i was going to be off and he said well you know i know you love star wars since you're going to be there anyway why don't you just, do you, you want to file a couple stories from there? And a light bulb just went off. And it was like, yeah. I hadn't even really seriously considered that I might be able to jump into, or, you know, at least some sometimes pivot to covering Star Wars stories. And um, so I, we, we did a couple of, we ended up doing a couple of stories. That was uh, the day that we um, got the the force the the Chewy were home trailer. Remember that one? I do. And, we do. Uh, and so we ended up doing a couple of TV stories that night. One for World News Tonight and one for Nightline. And uh, you know, then then I I had the I had the bug and just every opportunity after that looked for ways to pitch. Uh, Star Wars related stories. And again, I was mostly pitching things like visual effects type stories, behind the scenes stuff. So uh, we did a story uh, when Rogue One came out about the visual effects of Rogue One and how they did uh, Tarkin and Leia and all of that. And so that 
slowly but surely kind of became what I called my side hustle, my Star Wars side hustle. <laughs> it's like, how do I, how do I, how do I do these uh, stories that are um, not sort of the mainline story? Like I, I would occasionally interview the cast, but I wasn't doing like the main big story. I was doing like these longer feature stories, uh, sort of taking people behind the scenes, pulling the curtain back a little bit. Well, your ass celebration in London just a few days ago. Thank you once again. I know you just touched down maybe a couple of days ago. So we really appreciate you spending time with us to, to talk about it. Sure. But now that you've experienced it, what were your overall thoughts of being there in London? Oh, man, I, I can't even begin to describe how much fun it was. And of course, um, you know, Star Wars Celebration is obviously about Star Wars. But what I have discovered over the years from my first one in 2015 till now uh, is that it's more, you know, yes, we get great announcements. We get, we get trailers, we get, uh, we get new shows, all of that. Uh, but what really makes it great is reconnecting with all of the star Wars fellow star Wars fans that either I know on Twitter or that I've worked with before fellow, fellow journalists um, and seeing Really, the, the Star Wars family comes together uh, at Celebration. And uh, so, so it was great just kind of seeing people. And, you know, there's, there's too many people to see. You end up not getting to see everybody you think you're going to be able to see. Uh, but that really is, is what it's all about, is not just celebrating Star Wars, but celebrating all the friendships we've made along the way. And, um, and so, so this one was, was no exception. All right. What were some of the surprises or the behind the scenes that took place at the event? Any memorable panels that you attended? Yeah. So I actually I, I went uh, mostly for fun. I actually wasn't covering Celebration for work, but I had a couple of official duties, which were uh, super fun. Uh, so, I mean, I think biggest surprises, obviously, all the, the announcements uh, that were getting raised coming back. I think we were all sort of shocked at that. Um but then on Saturday, I actually hosted um, a panel for Industrial Light and Magic uh, talking about the, uh, the basically the concept art and design for Star Wars and other films. Um, we had uh, Doug Chang was on the uh, panel, who, of course, uh, was hired by George Lucas to run the art department for uh, episodes one and two and is now uh, basically uh, a executive in charge of all sorts of creative things when it comes to star wars uh, you know concept art design uh you know costumes effects all of these different things so doug was on it and then also uh, uh supervising art director from ilm in london a guy named jason horley so the three of us had a really great panel we filled the house <laughs> and uh talked about you know what what goes into designing star wars and uh it was just kind of one of those pinch me moments because I, like I said, my first celebration was 2015. I was a total outsider. I didn't know what celebration was all about. And to be able to now sit down and, and host an official panel was just, uh, just out of this world. It, it was, it was so cool. And, uh, Got to hang out with uh, with my friends at the Star Wars show um, at the live stage a little bit, kind of when I was not walking around and, uh, uh, or, or doing panels or anything like that. I was kind of hanging out backstage with those folks. Uh, ran into uh, ran into Carl Weathers back there, Grief Carga himself. Um, saw Giancarlo Esposito a couple times. Um, 
<laughs> and also, this was kind of a surprise. I was there with a, a friend of mine uh, named David Whiteley, who's a broadcaster uh, in England. And he did a documentary a few years ago called The Galaxy That Britain Built. And so he knows uh, Robert Watts fairly well. Robert Watts, of course, was the one of the producers uh, uh, on Star Wars, all through the original trilogy, and also worked on Raiders of the Lost Ark. He was there, so I got to meet him. Uh, who you know, he's just a, a a legend from my my childhood films. Uh, so it was cool to kind of run into him and chat with him for a minute. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it, it was really just kind of neat to see everybody come together. And uh, we'll talk about the book too. We did some fun stuff around the book. But uh, yeah, it was just kind of a a neat um, you know so so many people coming together to make that show happen, and it was kind of fun to to see a lot of them. I, I was looking at your Twitter page and I did see that picture that you took of Robert Watts. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He was so, yeah. so nice. And uh, you can Google it. I, I hadn't seen this picture of him uh, when they were filming Empire Strikes Back, but there's a picture out there where he's uh, sitting atop a, a Tauntaun in the, uh, the Hoth hangar there, which is <laughs> I think probably one of my favorite pictures of him uh, uh, ever, but, uh, but it was really neat. And what was really cool is that when he, was we, we were talking to him backstage, and uh, at the same time that Warwick Davis was leaving the the live stage, he had just appeared on the live stage uh, live stream, and he came back and went past Robert Watts, and it was like this little mini Return of the Jedi reunion because they hadn't seen each other in years, and so yeah. they like smiled and hugged and and uh, talked about meeting up, and so it was really it was really neat. Uh, to, to sort of stand there and, and witness this moment. It was another one of those like pinch me moments. That's really cool. And one of the advantages of being there in person at, at the celebration was you got to see a Mandalorian episode, right? The one that just aired last night, yesterday. We did. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. That, that was great. Yeah. So they, yeah. at the uh, showcase on Friday, I guess, uh, they said that everybody who was who was in that room could come back and screen this episode later in the evening, and so we all uh, we all came back and and watched it. And I actually, uh, because my panel was the next day, I almost skipped it because I still had some things to do, some work to do on that. And and I'm glad I didn't, although it was <coughs> to uh, to see it and then not want to like tweet about it and tell everybody about it we had to wait we had we had to wait a few days <laughs> uh but we were honoring uh, uh john favreau's uh, request to keep it quiet uh to not spoil it for anybody yeah. and uh and i think i think for the most part i think for the most part people did that i'm very anti-spoiler because my best friend in third grade chris martinez came running up to me on the uh the, the playground when i was in third grade to tell me that luke and leia were brother and sister, which I had not seen the movie yet. So, uh, <laughs> so I sort of like bummed. So we kept it, we kept it on the down low, kept, kept it spoiler free. Right. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. We were not going to go too much into it. You know, I know it's already out there for people to see, uh, but I was wondering what was, now that we know that, you know, it, what happened in this episode. So this was episode uh, 23. Um, I think so. Yes. Yeah. Episode 23. What was the biggest, what got the, the, the audience the most excited? What was the scene in that episode that got the people so excited and so surprising that they probably jumped out of their seats or they just yelled and cheered? 
I will tell you there were, there were two things. One, uh, there was a woman in the audience who was clearly uh, probably one of the biggest fans of Thrawn that uh, that I have ever seen. And so whenever there was even a brief mention of Thrawn, uh, I, she, she was literally I, I, like hyperventilating. I thought she, she was so excited that uh, at the, the prospect of, of seeing or even just hearing about Grand Admiral Thrawn. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She, she was screaming. She was she was so happy that that was happening. So for her, so that was kind of cool to see somebody have that kind of reaction to a character that they were only talking about. We never even saw him in the episode. Um, for me, I mean, come on, IG twelve, right? Yes. Nothing beats IG twelve for me. Yeah. I thought that was I thought that was a brilliant uh, sort of uh, uh, visual to to put Grogu inside the. Yeah. The old, uh, the old droid. Uh, so for me, that was absolutely my favorite part. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. The yeah. Grogu has a way to arm himself now, you know, yeah. and he can move around and he can, you know, talk. Maybe just say yes and no for now, but maybe yeah. they'll enhance it so he can maybe speak full sentences. But you know, he he seems to be very, um, very knowledgeable on how to communicate and how to move. Um, I expect that maybe IG, you know, IG twelve, you know, they may. Uh, bring a blaster for for Grogu to have so that he can defend himself. Who knows? I mean, he's fifty years old. There's yeah. nothing really to protect him from. Right. Exactly. I mean, he's in the suit. You can see him clearly. There's no armor or anything that will protect him. But he's going to need something else. You know, I would think. You know. Yep. The fire. You know. <clears throat> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it just opens up a lot of potential for uh, for what that character can do. And uh, and frankly, I think a lot of it's going to be hilarious. Yeah. Right. It was a wonderful episode. I also like the tweet that you mentioned because last the episode before uh, was mixed uh, with some of the Star Wars fans. And yeah. I think they were really upset about where is the show going? You know, what's well, going that's on? Where it was going. Yeah. And then I saw your tweet and then you said, just you wait. Just wait. Just <laughs> so this wait. upcoming episode. Yeah, exactly. I think did. Yeah. I think we got a lot more clarity on kind of where, where the show is headed though, though I shared a lot, you know, a lot of the same kind of gripes about uh, sort of the meandering nature of this season. Um, but I think this, this one, this one got us right back on target, I think. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And we can't wait for the finale. Same here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you co-authored the book Star Wars Timelines <clears throat> with Kristen Baber, <clears throat> Jason Fry, Cole Horton, and Amy Richow. Tell us what the book's about and the reason why you wanted to create it. Yeah, it is. I am one fifth of the author team, which is uh, incredibly exciting. And it's funny, you know, those names that you read that you read off there. I, it still is surreal to me that I'm even uh, a part of this group. Um, but yeah, it's Star Wars Timelines. Uh, it is really uh, it has sort of been described as one of the most ambitious things that the publishing unit has done, which is to take all of the uh canon star wars stories whether it's films movies uh comics uh tv shows uh you know video games audio dramas you name it and put them into one timeline it's sort of sort of unprecedented taking all of those different stories um you know a lot of um there's a lot of there's all traditionally been a lot of on-ramps onto the star wars freeway right and 
people find Star Wars in different ways and they all kind of love their own things. And, and this is neat because it's just it's the first time that a lot of these things have been put into into one place. And so it goes we're covering the timeline from the, the time of the High Republic, you know, 25,000 years ago to uh, up to, you know, the rise of the First Order. So uh, there's lots and lots in it. It was uh, one of the hardest things that uh, I have ever done, but when I was approached about it, I, I couldn't, I couldn't say no to participating in in something like that, and especially, like I said, with the people that are uh, involved with it, including uh, some just tremendous book editors at DK, which is the publisher, and uh, we worked with them. Uh, mostly over Zoom and email. And so going over for celebration, we all got to finally meet face to face, which was really, really fun after all this time, because I started it in my my involvement and in it started in late summer of 2021. So uh, we've been working on it for a long time and it will finally be out uh, April 25th, I believe. So uh, a few copies are out there already. The um, uh, Forbidden Planet, which is a kind of a sci-fi nerd store in in London, um, had uh, had copies of it exclusively available at Celebration, so people were able to buy it and take it home for the first time. But it should start shipping uh, any day now uh, for for the release date. Okay, and that's the end of April this month, correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I can't wait. That, that sounds like an awesome book. I can't wait. Yeah. It's been it's been so much fun. So, like I said, hard to work on, but fun to work on. And we were all kind of uh, we were all sort of in the battle together. So it was neat to. Yeah. And it sounds like it'll be fun to read. You know, it'd be a great reference book. Yeah, I really hope so. And, you know, yeah. DK, DK is obviously known for just creating these visually uh, stunning works. And so we were all we were all working on spreadsheets and we never saw. We never saw the visuals, so they took everything that we did and just put it into these this tremendously cool designs that are um, really fun to look at. And and one of the, the neat things about it is we some of the spreads are um, dealing with you know years years you know two three four five years. Some of them are very specific. Like you'll drill down one of the spreads, for example, that I worked on was uh, the Battle of Hoth and the battle of yavin so those big moments that you know we get we get really granular and and in the weeds on some of those uh some of those events which is really fun and so the idea to, is to tie in for example things that maybe you didn't know if you had only seen the movies so we're, we're tying in uh events that took place during the battle of hoth that maybe happened in a novel or a comic or something like that so you kind of put them all you put, put them all into one for the first time wow this sounds like a fantastic book i can't wait i can't wait so clayton this has been so much fun once again this has been an honor and a pleasure having you on the podcast well it has been an honor to be here i'm so excited and uh we'll have to do it again sometime soon and i gotta say you guys you guys were missed in london we we missed oh. you Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. We're looking forward to the next one. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Where can people find you, Clayton? Well, you can watch us on, you can watch me, catch me and my stories on uh, Scripps News, uh, which is scriptsnews.com. We also stream everywhere um, and we're online. Uh, and then if you want to catch me, I'm, I'm still for now on Twitter, <laughs> which is at Clayton underscore Sandell. 
and doing a lot more on Instagram these days, uh, which is at Clayton Sandell, all one together. So one of those places you can hit me up, tag me and uh, uh, send me a message and I'll, I'll get back to you at some point. Wonderful. Wonderful. Keith, where can people find us? Well, you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Brothers and Galaxy. Website, fathersandgalaxy.com. Merch store is fathersandgalaxy.myspreadshop.com. And our Patreon page is patreon.com slash fathersandgalaxy. Yes, and we're all on the socials. Yeah, I said that. Very good. Excellent. All right. Clayton Sandell, thank you so much. Emmy Award-winning broadcast journalist, thank you once again. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening or watching this, this episode. Until next time, take care, and we, we will see, see you again. again.